Hello, and welcome to another episode of Houston. We have a podcast. Uh, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about one movie and one movie only, and it is Dune, the once 2020, now 2021 release, directed by Denny Villeneuve. Uh, and with us, as always, is Paulo and Hello. a returning guest, Dave. Welcome, guys. Thanks, good uh, to be here. So... As I mentioned, we're going to be spending the whole episode talking about Dune. We have a lot to talk about here. There's a lot, a lot of opinions on the the movies, previous movies, books, previous documentaries uh, that I'm sure we'll get into. Before we do that, I was hoping you guys could just maybe talk about what is your familiarity with the franchise, i.e. like, have you read the books? Have you seen previous movies? And maybe just a one sentence, what you thought of the movie overall. Um, Dave, how about you go first? Okay. So, I mean, so first off, I've seen both movies, I've read the books, and, and, and by that I mean multiple books by Frank Herbert and some of the other ones um, by uh, his surrogates. Uh, I thought the movie was good, um, if not a little long. I, I struggled to finish watching it, and we'll touch on that in a little bit, but... Oh. Uh, oh yeah sorry i didn't know if <laughs> you were gonna keep going um so i am the least uh uh experienced uh in in the dune world uh on the podcast today um i didn't actually i didn't even know there was a book until after i finished the movie um sorry multiple books um i have not seen the original uh i'm coming into this uh having only seen the mo- like the the 2021 dune movie that uh we're talking about today um which i liked um i mean there are certain things that carson has mentioned uh in passing that i don't know if uh i enjoyed it more so because i'm not familiar with the source material but um i mean having watched it in the theater i think my experience was very different than uh, both carson and dave so um i i, I don't know i i I very thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, the The length was not too much of an issue for me. Uh, like there was maybe a, a span of 10 seconds in like the third act, no, like the, yeah, like the third act where I felt like it's starting to drag a little bit, but that was, that went away very quickly. <clears throat> in, in, in fairness, maybe for context, Carson and I are both semi new parents. So we don't have the same like stamina we used to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still doing just whatever the hell I want. <laughs> um, so for myself, I have also watched the 1980s David Lynch movie, um, as well as the more recent documentary about the movie that was almost made before that. I read the book, the first book when I probably 20, 25 years ago, like I was quite young. So I remember bits and pieces of it. I did some reading on kind of synopsis of the book just to like re-familiarize myself. Um, So I would say I'm vaguely familiar of plot points in this movie as well as potential future movies. Um, Overall, I think I talked about this movie a lot in previous podcast episodes. I was very, very excited for it. It did not meet those expectations. I don't think it's a bad movie. It may or may not end up on my top 10 at the end of the year. Um, because I haven't really watched a whole lot else, but it's definitely nowhere near where I was expecting it to be. And to add to Carson's point, 
I told Paulo and Carson I would try to like brush back up on the book, but I'm the same way where it's been a couple decades since I read it or read the books. So, um, so first point I'm going to touch on, uh, cause you mentioned it, Dave is like the length. Um, and the immediate comparison for me goes back to, um, the, the Snyder cut that came out earlier this year, that was a four hour movie longer than this one that I had no problem sitting through. This movie, I forget exactly how long it is. It feels long. Like it's the really? pacing. Yeah. Um, except for the oh. first hour where they go through like three movies in the span of like half an hour. And then it's like, let's let's brush through all this plot and interesting character development so that we can look at sand for two hours. <laughs> I mean, I like, so again, going back to the fact that I had a very different uh, viewing experience than the two of you guys. I've been telling all of, like any of my friends that I talked to about this movie who haven't seen it yet. When I tell them to watch it, I make a point to tell them to watch it in the theater if they can, because I felt like it added quite a bit to uh, like it, it just added a lot to just like kind of immersing myself in that uh, in that universe. Um, um, it, like I can see that if I had watched this from home, maybe I would have felt like the length a little bit more, but I was I, like, I was fully engaged. I think the whole way through and it was, it was all just really interesting to me, even though like you mentioned some certain things move very quickly. I, I definitely felt that a little bit, but I felt like I was pick, I like it, it was, sh or it was put together enough, like with the plot points and the character development, that stuff was, was, um, W done well enough that I knew, like I understood um, uh, I, those points. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that you should go watch this in theaters if you can and if you're comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, because I agree, like it's 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 a good movie, and I agree with Carson as well that like we blew through so much in the beginning, and then we spent like if. If this was the actual book, we covered like half of it in one hour, and the other half, not even, in the next two hours. And so it feels like that. that's maybe why it feels slow. And maybe it's because we knew the ending, right? Which, again, we're, we're not going to do spoilers except for this version of the movie. Um, but... No, maybe and maybe maybe that's maybe that's a, a like a bias based off what we have. But like I think if I had been sitting in a theater, it it maybe wouldn't have felt quite so slow. But it, I was surprised at how long it took. And that's where I was interested to hear Paulo's thoughts on that as somebody who didn't know the franchise, because I almost would have expected like one of my worries going into the movie was. I already know this plot, like how interesting can you really make it? It's really just the visuals. But I, I, so I would have thought that maybe if, if they would have been rushing through the plot to kind of focus on more moments and character development that I maybe would have liked that a bit more. But I actually felt myself finding that it was just going way too fast and maybe not just not focusing on the characters that I wanted to focus on because there was a lot of like the Harkonnens that just, 
I really wanted to spend more time with them because they were really well done, but we didn't get time with that. We had to spend time with one of the most annoying actors in Hollywood today. Um, <laughs> so it is kind of interesting to hear Paulo say that like you, you still kind of kept up with the plot and kind of understand what was going on because like, yeah, that, that was the first time for you. When, you one of the just, most just leave that comment. Who is the most annoying actor? You I didn't know Chris Pratt was in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, Timothy Chalamet. I'm totally done with him. Yeah. Wait, hold on a second. Okay, we we need to talk about we that. We talked about this in the past. I thought in the on the podcast. I thought so. Maybe not. And it's a podcast. You don't have visuals, but Paulo <laughs> has Timothy Chalamet's hair right now. <laughs> so. I mean, that's ex- I've I've been preparing for this movie for two years just to grow in this hair <laughs> i know I, I like to think it's more of an oscar isaac uh thing going but anyways that's i feel like he was he was more wasted than like he was really good at the beginning and i wish we could have seen more of him yeah so i thought I, all the actors did a great job like i the people were cast well and they were good in the role. I just wish we could have spent a little bit more time with them. Right. Well, and that's a good, and that's a good separate, like quick topic. The cast was unbelievable. Like, this is a phenomenal cast of people. Like even Dave Batista, who I actually personally like, but has effectively, I think only done Drax the Destroyer and like that taxi movie. I totally disagree. Because, so Dave Batista, he also did. Um, oh fuck, I'm gonna have to look this up on IMDb. While we're doing this, aren't we? Um, while wasted in a couple other roles, so he did Sapper Morton in Blade Runner 2049, which not a big role but very effective in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. He was wasted in a good James Bond movie as a good villain. So in my opinion, I like that he chooses pretty decent movies uh with the exception of the odd stuber um but he, and, and he's not just a meathead no no i i totally agree and again that's i think i know him not personally but from <laughs> like his personality from what i've seen and other stuff he's done um and so i i appreciated him in this um but for me, he was dressed. It was hard to, and maybe that's the MCU's fault for, for like cementing him in my brain as Drax the Destroyer. Um, and I, I have seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Now I go back and remember his role there. But um, overall, I think the cast was phenomenal. So yeah, except totally for agree. Apparently, Carson Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I mean, so the. This is where I, I start to agree with Carson a little bit. Maybe not so much on Timothy Chalamet, because um, um, the the even though my fiance loves him, I don't have a huge problem with him. Um, uh, I think he's good. Which is like, why you grew the head out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to I'm trying trying to stay afloat, you know. Um, but uh, like the, the whole thing about the characters kind of being wasted, like as, as good as they did, I. I kind of I kind of agree with that because um there were so many things like they did they all did a great job but then I was so surprised and spoiler alert when like they started dropping like flies um like Oscar Isaac I I figured he would die I I, I didn't figure he would die like a third of the way into the movie um just 
because it's Oscar Isaac. Um, it made sense for the character. Um, the what's his name? Uh, Aquaman. Um, <laughs> Jason, Jason Momoa. Momoa. Jason Momoa. Um, I was expecting like a showdown between him and uh, Dave Bautista, who apparently who just kind of did nothing in this movie. Although in the five minutes that he was in the movie, he I think he showed the most emotion out of any other movie. Uh, Dave Bautista did. Dave Bautista, yeah. Uh, yeah, he had a couple of decent scenes. And this is where, like, uh, again, not to talk about the future plot lines, but there's certain people that are in these movies that feel wasted that I know are not because they're going to be, they're going to show up a bit more. And the obvious one, even for people oh. who wouldn't guess, is like Javier Bardem. Pretty small role, but you can kind of see that he's going to have a larger role later on. And same mm-hmm. with like Dave Batista, like, I think he's going to have a larger role. It really depends. Like, I don't know how faithful they're going to be to the books, but it's like, yeah, I didn't feel that those characters were wasted, but at the same time, someone like um, the Baron Harkonnen, he's just like a really interesting guy. And that family is like, so interesting. Like, I just want to have more scenes with them, but it just felt like it was a tease as opposed to mm-hmm. actual characters. There's so much into that. Right. And like, yeah, I agree. And then I would also say like, I don't know if it was his appearance or what, but Oscar Isaac, I just wanted him to be in the movie for the whole time. Knowing, <laughs> yeah. knowing he wouldn't be. But right? you and know I was what? Like, Sorry, I'll let you finish your point. Oh, go ahead. That's all right. That, that's oh, I was just going to say, I feel like that's because of how well he played his character. Like he, he was so likable, not only because he's Oscar Isaac, but he, like he was clearly just good ruler. Um, like kind of like, got it. Kind of yeah. got what's happening. Yeah, like yeah. cares about his people, that kind of thing. In the short time that he was in the movie, and that's and I felt like that for a lot of the character, like the main characters, you you like them, and then like I said, when they start dying, I was like, well, like who's gonna be left in the second in the next one? Ugh. Well, now and now you've done a good transition, and Carson, I'll let you say something, <laughs> but like. Is he a good character? Does even he, yes, he cares about his people, but how did all these family fiefdoms come to become? And Carson, I'll let you finish on Cast first, and then we can kick into that. Um, I don't have too much more to say about the cast. Like it's casting great. I just you know okay. So to speak about characters that I wanted to see more from, uh, Baron Harkonnen, obviously I had mentioned the soldiers that we see very briefly, kind of the Emperor's soldiers. Um, where they do that weird chanting. Uh, funny side story. There, so I started getting a lot of like Dune recommendations for soundtrack, and there is a 10-hour loop of that chanting from that scene. Um, and I started watching it, and I got caught up with work and then didn't realize till two hours later that I was still listening to it. So I don't know. Maybe I seem like a psychopath for listening to like blood chants for two hours. Um, but I wanted to see more with those guys. Yeah, I will just say too, and this is not not from the book, but I dislike the name Duncan Idaho because it sounds like the most American guy is the soldier. Right? It sounds like, like some Japanese person was told to make an American name. And then... Yeah, I was like, and it wasn't. It was a, an American guy who, bait, well, we'll get into that later. But um, <laughs> yeah, okay, Carson. Next, <laughs> <laughs> Duncan Idaho. It's like, yeah, it's like you just made up a name. It like feels like a Twitter handle. Like, <laughs> yeah, it feels very of the time that it was made. Which, so that's where I go back and forth with the Dune franchise. Is like, there's moments of it where 
a book written in 1950s is very on the nose for our current political climate. And that maybe says something about our current political climate. Um, but then there's times where it feels very much like the 50s. And I think, and it's been used up. And that's, it's hard to say bad things about Dune because part of Dune gets ruined because of how much has been stolen from it since it was made. And you can see elements of the story and the book in most of the major sci-fi movies of the last 50, 60 years. And so Dune as a plot kind of gets a bit boring because it's like, oh, I've seen this. I've seen this before. And it's, you know, Dune started some of it, but it's like, okay, now it's boring because I've seen it too much. Yeah, and to your point, Carson, like, there was a person that was going to maybe be able to make this podcast and was like, oh, it just feels like a Star Wars remake. And I'm like, well, they couldn't have remade Star Wars before the book was written (laughs) 10 years before, right? And so I, I agree, and I wonder sometimes, is it one of those things where, like, you know, kids watch the first Star Wars today, and they're like, meh, it's okay. And it's like, but you don't understand what it did when it happened. And Dune is a similar movie slash concept where a lot came from it, but we're not we're not appreciating or recognizing what came from it. What do you think about that, guys? I'm not a huge fan of appreciating movies just because of what they contributed. Um, two examples for me are Citizen Kane and Casablanca. Um, Citizen Kane gets a lot of credibility because of the the work that it did for you know movie narratives, cinematography, filmmaking, all that stuff. You but you watch it today, I'm not particularly impressed with it, and I don't want to say that it's a good movie just because it was good for the time. The comparison just because it was impactful. Yeah. Just because it was impactful. Casablanca also considered one of the greatest movies of all time. You watch it today, and it's just as good because. The writing is good. The characters are good. Like there's nothing that's ruined with time because it has good quality filmmaking. It's not just, I don't want to say like the tricks that it did. Um, And so for Dune, like in my opinion, you can make a good movie that isn't ruined just because you've seen it before. If you have like the right pacing, the right things that like keep it fresh, like things like that. And I just, I feel like this one didn't have that. On the I, record, I, I Star Wars there. was famous only because of the tricks they did. Sorry? The tricks? <laughs> you said, you, well, you were saying, like, I can appreciate things and not Citizen Kane. Uh, <laughs> but, like, you, you're kind of implying, which I, I don't disagree with, but the lightsaber was an amazing thing when it came out in Star Wars. But it's not as valuable today. So is Star Wars a less valuable franchise? And now, now we're getting to a totally different. But um, I'm, I'm going to answer that though. I would say A New Hope is just as good as a movie today, not because of the lightsabers or the you know spaceships in space, because it has good characters and good moments. Like it's relatable. Uh, Luke looking off into the horizon at the two suns, wishing he was somewhere else. Like that's relatable. That's something that like, maybe it's just me coming from a prairie city that it's like (laughs) yes i can connect to that and the other characters like they're funny like the the gimmicks of the technology or the special effects are not what drive it it's the characters so do you feel like there's like 
that's kind of what is what we're seeing in Dune, like certain like gimmicks and special effects, or or maybe maybe it's taking a little too far, but is that kind of what you're getting at? Well, I just want to take a quick second to say, Carson, that was like one of the best answers I've ever heard, and you have a real <laughs> future in politics on that. Um, I'm good at bullshitting. Yeah. So. Oh, well. um, oh but no, to answer your question, Paul, like I because I I wasn't impressed by any gimmicks. Like there there was no the the special effects and the you know IMAX visuals and all that. Like none of that would impress me. Like the only thing that was kind of left is the characters in the world. I find the world of Dune extremely fascinating. Like in my opinion, the worst thing for Dune in 2021 is the plot, which sci-fi nerds will probably get pissed at me because there is eventually a good story um but it's i wish that they kind of make a trilogy three or four movies tell the story and then do a spin-off elsewhere in the world because i love the world i love the characters um the fact that there's like a empire that rules over all these different house families and all that like i want to see different stories in this world would you call it tolkien-ish because, I mean, he built an incredible world as a basis for his books and movies. Like, because that's the way I feel about Dune is, like, there's so much behind that in terms of, like, okay, this is all what happened. And in this movie, they just brushed over it. They're like, oh, heads up. Um, everything collapsed. Now we're feudal again. And um, these are the big houses. The emperor is going to try and run things. Like, yeah. And that's like, if they go back in future movies, like it's hard to write it off right now because maybe they're saving that. But, uh, and I'm glad you brought up Tolkien because this is another thing I wanted to bring up is it's hard to evaluate this movie just as one movie. But if I look back to some of the other trilogies that I really like, um, the original Star Wars trilogy, Lord of the Rings, um, I would also say Human Condition and the Dollars trilogy, which I know are less known, but it's, you can watch like fellowship of the ring is a good movie on its own. You don't have to be like, Oh, it's good in the context of three movies. It's a good story. A new hope is a good story on its own. Whereas like, I feel like I'm going to like this trilogy when it's done as like a six hour movie, but each individual chapter of it is not at this point. There's no story that I can really cling on to. Oh, I don't know. I I disagree with both of you guys there. This is like this is where this is where it's interesting for me because everything you said about the universe, like that you find the like just the universe interesting, I felt that way from watching this movie. Um and again, I think it's probably because I'm not familiar with the source material, but this as an introduction for me to like to that world, I I think it it did the job. Like it it really made me interested in like just everything, like the, it, how different that world is. Cause I, I don't, and going back to your point about um, like other sci-fi things taking from Dune, I, I didn't, I feel like I haven't really seen a lot of that either, unless I've just missed the connections, but I don't know if it, it, it was just, it felt really different for me coming in cold that um, I don't know. That's why I found it so interesting, <clears throat> but I don't, maybe I need to read the books and. Uh... And, so, and, and again, I I wouldn't disagree with you. Like, if there was a movie just called Harkonnen, I'd probably watch it. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, that that's really fair and interesting feedback because, to me, it felt like they brushed over so much of the good stuff. And Carson, maybe you're right. Maybe they're maybe they're just waiting 
to to rebuild that and do their own Dune CU. I don't know. Is that, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, like it's the funny. the second movie was greenlit pretty quickly, so I think they weren't wanting to commit that much dollars to it ahead of time. But once they saw some success, they're like, okay, there's there's going to be because there has to be more. This is not one movie on its own. And quite frankly, it yeah. needs to be at least two more movies. I, I will, sorry, right. real quick, Dave. I, I will say that if they did leave it here, like if they didn't green light another movie, that would be like the greatest, like it would take away a lot from this movie because I, I also feel the same where there there has to be more. Like, and I, I think I took it as a good thing knowing that there would be another one. But I guess it kind of lends to Carson's point of like it it's not really a standalone movie. Although, like, I don't know. I, I'm I'm conflicted there if because like I said, I loved it. By itself, would you want and there was never another movie, would you want to watch it again? Well that's you want to watch it. <laughs> well that's what I'm saying. Like I, I would. I still would. I still think it's a good movie, but like I would oh well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Um. God, that's that's. You don't have to rewatch it. You just have to go down to the beach and look at some sand for three hours, and you're good. <laughs> Kashi, you were you're the worst. <laughs> um, but like, it it reminds me of Lost, where they told me this ending would be the wouldn't be this ending all the all the time, and then they changed the ending. And again, I'm sorry. I know we're not supposed to talk about TV shows on this, but. We've done um, that rule a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like there's this movie is not a standalone movie. No way. Like there's no way you could watch this movie, be satisfied at the end. And they did a great job of creating appetite for the next movie. But again, if there was no next movie. I would not tell anyone to watch the movie except maybe for like theatrical, like image stuff. Yeah. But even that's like, fair. even if you're making a story that's kind of the first chapter of three movies, you can, you can still have like a, an ending to your movie, which I felt that this one kind of lacked. Like you, the biggest comparison I'll make is fellowship of the ring. Fellowship of the Ring, you're only like you know where it's going to eventually, um, which is maybe a different from this one where like you don't really know where it's going to go because it's going to twist and turn. Um, but that like the Fellowship of the Ring has a climax. It has like a, a it has character arcs that resolve themselves within the first movie with like Boromir uh, and what he does. It has like exciting kind of tension of where it's going to go next, and and you get some hints of where it's going to go next. But if, if for me it it has this wonderful second act when they've kind of blown through all these different stories and then it just kind of sputters out for an hour. And it's like, if it had established some more characters or it was a little bit more interesting or had like, cause I, I don't, I don't know if I would want them to save up that middle action scene of the movie for the end and then kind of end it there. Like it is good that you go on a little bit, but it just, it doesn't feel like a movie. It just is kind of like, I watched half a season of a TV show. And then gave up because Netflix was out or something. Yeah. Yeah. No. um, So I have a personal opinion about 
the Lord of the Rings movies about the Eagles because they they feel like a lot <laughs> every time. Um, but that I'm not going to get into that today. Talking about Dune. Um, yeah, it just to me it does not. It feels like, and we're seeing more of this in movies. Like, and I don't know if it started with Harry Potter, but like there was like clearly an eighth book and the company was like, Hey, I want to do two movies on this and given Dune has a lot of content. So it's fair to make a lot of movies out of the Dune franchise. It just didn't feel like they did enough in this one for me. Well, maybe that's a good point to start comparing it to the 1984 movie, which did attempt to do the entire first book as one movie. And it was like four hours long. And I'm just like, I'm trying to think in my head, would it, can you make the whole book as one movie and have it as one interesting movie? Because that, that original, I don't want to call it the original because it's so bad and not good to the, to the the franchise, but I I don't think you can make a good movie of doing one movie for the whole first book. It's too much. It has to be broken up somewhere. Okay. Quick context, I have not seen the first movie again since I was very young, and I liked it a lot then, so, but that has happened to me with multiple movies that I've gone back and watched and realized in Top Gun that Maverick just raised his arm while chasing a plane on uh, a motorcycle is not that cool, so um, I just want to put context in there that I've not revisited that movie. But I, it, but I would say the biggest remembrance I have that movie is the sandworms, which is a weird thing, right? And this movie instead has me thinking about all the characters. So maybe they have done a better job in terms of splitting it up. Just, well, to, just to add to your point, Dave, the sandworms was the only thing I knew about Dune going into this. And I thought it was fun that they kept teasing it all the way up until like the end. Like even when that uh, the 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 doctor this help the one oh god what's her name the black lady who who helped Timothy Chalamet and his mom mm-hmm. the um, environmental person yes yeah. yes um when she was like she was gonna like ride the sandworm and it was like a huge tease of that and then she like died right before. And then, like, just every other time when you kind of see them, but not, it was, like, the one thing that I knew about Dune. And I was like, oh, here it comes. Oh, no. I thought, like, I think most people would get annoyed by that, but I just thought that was pretty funny. Anyways. I just want to clarify that I am in no way saying that the 80s movie was a good representation of the franchise, because it wasn't good. But electric guitars while people ride giant worms is a very good scene. (laughs) And very and I think 80s. Den- Denny Villeneuve knew that, which is why he kept like, oh, here, the worms, nope, well, nope, maybe now the worms, nope. And again, I'm not going to say it's a good movie, but it was an 80s enjoyable movie. Like, that's a completely different different definition today than it was back then. <laughs> so, so just like, to clarify, like, the history behind that movie for people who don't know, and if you haven't watched a documentary called Yodorovsky's Dune, I will probably recommended for like the ninth or 10th time on this podcast. Um, But essentially there was a much different Dune movie that was going to be made in the early eighties. 
um, where they had all of the talent throughout, not just Hollywood, but like the art community, like Salvador Dali was going to be the emperor. Um, what's the guy from Citizen Kane? He was going to be Baron Harkonnen. Um, you had Mick it's Jagger in the lead role. You have Pink Floyd doing the soundtrack. You, like it had all the most like insane, crazy stuff with it. And then it kind of just like people got scared. And so David Lynch just did the, the most generic action movie that he could. Yeah, it's a it's an 80s Michael Bay movie is what I would say. Sure. Which is weird for David Lynch because he doesn't do like he's not Michael Bay. Um, I will just say really quickly that I didn't realize before this podcast when I did a little research that. And in for those of the podcasts that are not based out of uh, near Seattle, Washington, the inspiration for Dune is the Florence Organ Dunes, which I have ridden dune buggies on. Just saying. So and and no sandworms. Well, I'm not going there. <laughs> anyway, that was my whole point on that one. So. <laughs> Quick, quick question before you guys continue, like your uh, your discussion about the original movie, and I just like go and get a snack. <laughs> um, what uh, and is it completely unrelated to the first movie? Well, no, not really. Uh, I just want to know, and spoiler for future, probably is Josh Brolin actually dead? Because you don't see what happens to him. I actually don't remember. Damn it. No I assume if no! he had. So I'll say this as somebody who does not know. This is just speculation. I assume if his character died, we would have seen him die. Okay, like, well that's what I was hoping. The the characters that die in the movie, like you, they get their moment. Like Oscar Isaac gets his moment. Other characters, they get their moment. So, but I, I do not remember. In, okay, cool okay, can we? Do we want to, or can we transition to like? what dune got to from a political perspective or do we want to keep talking fun stuff no sorry I'm i didn't good. mean to derail the the original movie conversation you can uh i mean the original movie was was again like i think we've covered everything that that basically sums up the original movie that carson and i have covered it in 10 minutes yeah so i don't have anything else to add <laughs> <laughs> it was it wasn't i think i, I mean Again, you guys run a movie podcast, so like, yes, it's a bad movie, <laughs> but it was a good movie for what it was trying to do, much like True Lies and other stuff, like, you know, like trying to be an entertaining movie, it was good. Um, but it did not effectively capture, by any means, the uh, environment. And I think, again, Paolo, all you knew coming in with sandworms, all I remember, again, I, I think 20 years later from watching it, I don't know, um, is sandworms. So, like, that's <laughs> that's the biggest thing. So, like, we can move on from that if you guys want, or we can keep talking about how not good it was. And for reference, I watched the 80s movie six months ago. <laughs> I reminded myself of it in lead up to this. Yeah, I watched Top Gun a couple of years ago, and it made me really sad, and that makes me not want to watch any of my the movies I really liked to get again. <laughs> You're not excited for the new Top Gun movie? Oh yeah, for sure I am. Maverick, 
Come on. Tom Cruise? Fun He's fact, I was almost named Maverick. Because of Top Gun? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I was about to say your full name, but I'm going to not do that. <laughs> but instead say Maverick. Like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> We can change you over, Carson, if you want, for the rest of the podcast. You know that we publish the podcast under my name, so if you're listening to it, you see my name. <laughs> okay. Well, you see All my right, former Maverick name, Rick actually. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Maverick Choi. Yeah. That's right. Uh, well, anyway. I just exposed both your names. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, so, what I ahead, think Dave. is fascinating about the movie, and I think what when the book was written, it's very much like colonial and like fear of, I'm not sure I'm going to say this right, but like Middle Eastern Arab culture and like there's, there's so much underneath that. And we all know for effect, spice is oil. Right? Like, we get yeah. that from the movie. I, I literally just made that connection. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, spice is oil, and the big nations are coming in to get the spice and suppressing the other people. Oh, my God. I feel so dumb. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. And then... But important to remember that this was written, obviously, pre- American Iraq war pre 1980s Afghanistan war. This is like the early days of the oil rush in the Middle East. Right. This is this book. So the book that influenced the movie was written. It's either 56 or 65. Yeah, it's something like that. But it's like it's the early 50s or 60s. And it's not like it's it's one of those one of those books slash movies that's awkwardly prescient about where we are today. Um, and it talks about people, you know, fighting for power between stuff, people setting up power struggles on purpose. There's a chance there for us and China. Like there's, I mean, there's so much in this that you could like write college essays on, even just this movie, not even the books, not not the books, but this movie, one could argue the U.S.-China uh, fight is based off of Russia trying to pit us against each other, and Russia, in this case, is the emperor, and U.S. and China are organs and um, uh, Atreides. So, go ahead. Shoot. <laughs> so, this is where it's hard to talk about because... To have this full conversation, you kind of have to talk about where the movies and the books are going to go, which I don't want to get into. But I'll just mention that, you know, at the time that this book was written, pre all of these wars, and where when you consider what actually happened in the Middle East over the next like 50, 60 years versus what happens in the book, I'm really curious to see how they're going to make that into a movie today. Because um, there is real opportunity for them to get real racist real quick, maybe, um, or to do it really well and have like real political social commentary on it, maybe. Um, but it's like, they are, 
they're going into some pretty dangerous territory on that one. Which is too I, bad. I'm intrigued. Which is too bad sometimes when you think about it because it's not it's it's a reflection of literature, not a like commentary on current social existence. But it could to Carson's point, it could easily be taken that way. Hundred percent. Um, especially with some of the word, like they're going to have to change some words. Um, well, that, but that's true of every like old book. Let's be clear. Can, can I get an example? Like with no context. <laughs> um, okay. So trying not to delve too much into it, but the, uh, what are they called? The Fremen? Fremen. Yeah. Some part of their culture has an idea of having a universe wide jihad. <laughs> okay. Wait, it's actually called a jihad in the book? Yes, they use that specific term. Oh. Oh. Because at that time, when you're writing this book, like that term is not as well known. They can use yeah. those parallels. Um, it also, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but the original end credits of Rambo 3, or maybe it was Rambo 2 or Rambo 3, I think it was 3, um, that takes place in Afghanistan because this was much before like uh, American Iraq a war in Afghanistan war is the end credits kind of dedicate the movie to the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan, uh, which they had to edit out in recent re-releases of it because it's just like, there's different context and different periods of time for some of this stuff. Yeah. If, we, if we come just down to the basic movie, the Ben Gesserit, right. Or a combination of uh, Arabic and Italian words, right. Where like, it, it it's it's a very clear reference to European and Western society bringing down the folks of the desert, which in this case are those of of Arabic and or Middle Eastern um, history. Quick fun fact, just like from all of this that you guys are saying, it it reminds me of uh, Return of the Jedi, and maybe this is something they stole from Dune, but um, the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi are speaking Tagalog, which is like the language of the Philippines, which I thought was funny. And it, clearly it's because at the time probably no one knew uh, about like that the Philippines was a country and had its own language. But uh, yeah, that's... That's that is that is fascinating, and I literally just learned that today. I was yeah, I didn't know that. Oh I my god! Look at I'm not dumb anymore. <laughs> so are they saying You're like actual anyway. words that you can translate? Then they're actually saying like, and it's funny because in the context of the scene, they're saying what someone would say just in Tagalog. So I mean, actually, I'll I'll get specific because no spoilers here, <laughs> um, or spoilers don't matter for that movie anymore. But uh, when they see C three PO, like so. When they see C three PO for the first time and they start like, uh, like revering him as like some god, uh, one of them says like something like "Oh Maganda," which means like beautiful. <laughs> um, and then there's I'm sure there's other things that you can't really hear, but I'm pretty sure like that just led me to believe that all the Ewoks were just probably Filipino dwarves in costume. But so so I want to go to Paulo real quick. 
like again, I'm not saying you're stupid, but like you didn't pick up any of that in the movie. <laughs> you know what? I didn't. I was just really <laughs> along for the ride when I was watching the movie. And you, like, before we started this, you said something about how there's like political like uh, parallels, and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I wonder what that is. <laughs> well, and environmental parallels as well, right? Like, the, the, oh, of course, the book they wrote. Well, sorry. And we're talking about movies here, but like the premise that someone comes from this water forest covered land to the desert to fix it. Right. Like there's like, oh, hey, these guys messed up their desert and we're going to come fix it because we we figured out our life. Like it. it, it yeah, it's a, it, it's a fascinating series overall because of. And I, I don't frankly know if, uh, frankly, no, huh? uh, if Frank Herbert meant to do all this. But legitimately, there is like religious, ecology, like nation building under like undercurrents of all of this stuff. Right? And Carson, I haven't dropped any spoilers, right? No, it's. But it goes back to it's just really hard to evaluate this movie. It's like it's it's hard to give it credit for what it hasn't done yet. And like I'm really I, I think I could really like a Dune trilogy when it's complete. I don't know if I like this movie as its own. But it's well, it's some really good stuff that could be coming up. Okay, I think that kind of answered what I was gonna ask you. But I was just gonna say, like, from how this movie was put together. Do you have hope for the next two? Oh yeah, like, like it's still a a yeah, well-made movie with a good cast. Like they have all the pieces set up to take this somewhere in the future. But it's maybe I just waited too long for this movie and I wanted to I'm not patient enough to have the full three movies play out. Um but there and so I'll I'll say I was a little disappointed with some of the filmmaking. Um the one example I'll bring up is the rescue scene. Denny Villeneuve is one of the best like suspense directors out there today. And I think about the Mexico U S border scene in Sicario, just like the music and all that. And then, so I knew that that scene was coming up where they're going to the uh, spice mining thing where the worm is going to come and they got to rescue all the people. And I was like, that's a great little action scene. I can't wait to see what Denny does with it. And it was just kind of like, eh, whatever. It's like, Oh, we got to spend too much time with Timothy and I don't, Show me an action scene. <laughs> it was very mad. Oh, that's I didn't even mention religion. Did I say religious before? But like, yeah, yeah Timothy as a messianic character coming through the desert. Like, come on, it's literally <laughs> the Bible. Like, so anyhow, um, no, like, I agree in terms of what I was expecting. I think. I don't want to say I was disappointed because it was good, but it wasn't as good as it could have been. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I still stick with like, with the one caveat of, because I know there is more coming. I like, I thought it was great. <laughs> like where on great would you put it? Paulo? Like, um, <laughs> like, like an eight or a nine. They're really great. Oh, okay. Yeah, really great. And for reference, because I rate every movie online out of 100, 
I think I gave this a 74. Like it's it's not a bad movie. It's it's well That's like made. Apollo it has nine for context. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's not bad. Apollo not 9 bad. or Apollo 13? Apollo 9 turned out terribly. <laughs> um, I guess that makes sense for Carson's rating uh, scheme. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Carson. Go ahead. Uh, but no, so like, I'm going to nitpick a lot of stuff here, but not bad. In a, mo- in a year of not really good movies um and sorry the one other comparison i wanted to bring up because we talked about it and what is currently still my favorite movie of the year green knight is a movie oh. where there wasn't a lot of plot but i loved all the scenery even if stuff wasn't happening even though there was you know technically good scenery it wasn't doing it for me and maybe if i had watched it in theaters in imax maybe that's different but i watched green knight on my laptop and i was wowed by the visuals and everything that was going on and i just it did nothing for me in this movie. Are you sure it was you're watching Green Knight, or was it just like a slideshow of old paintings? <laughs> uh, still better than Dune. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I easily disagree with you. Oh my god, this is gonna. <laughs> and in fairness, I haven't seen Green Knight, so I can't comment on this part. I would, I would be interested to like. Sorry, going off way off topic of Dune, but I, I'd be interested after what you've just heard, Dave, for you to watch Green Knight and then come back, like next week or something, and we'll do another episode. It's gonna have to take you seven times though. You might fall asleep a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. So at, at least, least Carson it, knows. I know. What you're saying, it's a big one. Like action impacted her. Are we talking about uh, Red Notice yet, or no? No. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't get me started. I will just say, I didn't fall asleep during that movie. It's not saying it's a good movie. Didn't fall asleep during it. I feel like that's an automatic four points these days, like four out of ten if you don't fall asleep in in the movie. Because I give Red Notice a twenty-seven out of (laughs) a hundred. Again, not saying it's a good movie. It's exactly what it's meant to be consumed. In what. What bugs me about it is I turned it on to fall asleep. I didn't. So, like, I need I need the static action movies to be more consistent. And I need my, like, literary smart movies to be, like, a little more action-based. What do we think about that? A little more what, sorry? Action-based. Give, give oh. me some. Okay. And again, like, not, not action-based. Again. I'm not asking for Dune to become Red Notice by any means. Am I off totally off track here and like I should just shut up? But <laughs> what I need is more consistency in when we're moving between scenes. Because I think to Carson's point, there was way too much development for Timothy Chalamet. Who I, I disagree with Carson. I don't think he was terrible at it. Um, for the record, I don't think he's a bad actor. I think he's a bad human being. Wait, hold. Okay, time out. <laughs> is there something we don't know about Timothy Shout? Like, no, I, he... I don't know him. I'm just making opinions just based on interactions I've seen with him. <laughs> like, not an informed opinion or... in any way. You, you think it's like a douche or something? I don't like that he works with all of these great directors and is like the worst part of what they do. And like he goes around being like, I'm Mr. Indie Movie Guy, and I'm so quirky <laughs> and weird. And it's like, no, you're you're not peak Wes Anderson. You're leftover Wes Anderson. Oh, you're not peak Denny Villeneuve. Just, you're leftover Denny Villeneuve. 
Yeah, can we just, like, what drives that? Because it does feel like he's a bit lucky. Like, he's just gotten all of it. He, the jawline. He does know how to act. Like, give that to him, and, like, he's signing up for the right projects, but it's just, like, I I remember there was a, uh, a conversation Bill Murray was talking about uh, from a movie from Jim Jarmusch, who did recently a zombie movie with Adam Driver. Anyway, he's done better movies than that. But there was like talk about like how people were just hanging out on the set of that movie. And they were like having like, you have these people like Tilda Swinton and Bill Murray and like all these just interesting people um, sitting around having interesting conversation. And I feel like there's a community of artists. And I just imagine like Timothy Chalamet sitting at the table with them and everyone in the room hating him, but having to pretend (laughs) to like him. Is so, there any basis behind this? No, none at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> and this is what Carson's hate of Timothy Chalamet is based on, this one <laughs> thing. No, but but I do think the movie focused on him too much, even though he is the protagonist, right? Like, there was, there's just so much more there than him. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess I could agree with that. Like, that story has been done to death even before Dune came out of like the whole white savior or Harry Potter, you're a wizard, blah, blah, blah. Like you're like the Messiah thing. Like it's been done so many times. Like that's the least interesting part of the story. Like all the other characters are what make this an interesting world. Not that character, regardless of who plays it. It's been Dune so many times. Um, who would you, who would you recast um, Timothy Chalamet with? Chris Farley, 100%. <laughs> Well, it's um, funny when you think of, like Mick Jagger almost played that role, um, but in like in today's like people of appropriate age, I'm not sure I'd have to think about that a bit more. But it's I more just don't like the character. Like I don't think the character is particularly interesting. It will get interesting by the third movie, but we're gonna have to deal with a second movie of it not being interested before we get there. <laughs> well, that's. I would call back to one of our previous podcasts of a movie I really didn't like but watched because I like you guys. Um, who was the guy from Twilight? Robert Pattinson. Yeah, I feel like he could have done that really well. Yeah, I'm a huge Robert Maybe Pattinson like fan. When he was when he was 17. Is he not? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's not a real vampire. No, wait, actually, that would make him older. <laughs> that was a terrible joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are there any, like, any other actors of that age that, sorry, I don't, if, I don't know if I'm going on a way, like a way random tangent, but any other actors of Timothy Chalamet's age that are of his, and that's I'm going to use the this one thing carefully I think, caliber. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet has the credit that he actually looks like a teenager, even though I'm pretty sure he's in like mid to late twenties is like, he's a frail, tiny person. So he can play like, I am a 16 year old who was like young and still part of this. Whereas like, I just look back and I love Adam driver, but Adam driver playing the young Kylo Ren, who's like supposed to be emotional and like all of that. It's like, sorry, man, you look 35. Like you can't play that anymore. He just looks like an angry man. <laughs> right. Right. A hundred percent. And in, Okay, now we're getting off Dune, <clears throat> but like, does that speak to our upcoming pipeline of actors and actresses, or I think all actors now? Sorry, that 
and and it might be my ignorance because I'm not watching stuff as much, but I can't think of an iconic actor that has those chops right now. Um, I'd say Lucas Hedges if I had to pick someone else. Like he doesn't have the star power, but like I also think this is a good opportunity for a movie to create someone as a star like because if you're having somebody who's younger like it's hard to find someone who is established and younger but you can like who knew who um what's his name pooper whatever the spider-man kid is now um tom holland, tom, tom holland yeah <laughs> um but it's like he became fan like obviously he did stuff before that but it's like well, same, thing, same thing with daniel radcliffe right like I, I totally agree with you on this this could be a defining franchise for someone and instead they went with someone they knew. And you have enough star power in the rest of the movie that you don't need Paul Atreides to be a big name person. There's there's enough pull from other people. That's a good point. But I mean, you gotta you gotta draw like uh what's it sorry, not Tom Holland. Um Timothy Chalamet has to bring in all like the younger ladies to watch the movie. Between uh Jason Momoa and Timothy Chalamet, you've got all the female audiences covered. Uh, true. <laughs> and fun fact, um, uh, Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet are the same age. They're both 25. Oh, wow. Um, other, uh, sorry, I was going to bring this up earlier now that we're going off on tangents. Uh, Dave Bautista and Jason Momoa in this movie, I don't think they're ever in the same scene. Uh, they're going to have like a buddy cop movie coming up soon. And I, I respect that. I like both of those guys. I hope it's not like Stuber. I mean, well, it, pro- it probably will be. <laughs> yeah, but like, I love, I love both those guys. And Jason Momoa, the fact that he started as like, like he got his break as like the hot bottom Baywatch, I think. I don't know that 100%, but like he was on Baywatch way back in the day. Was he really? Yeah, he was a lifeguard on Baywatch. And that he has turned that into an actual acting career. where he's And he's directed some- too. He's directed too. I didn't. I didn't know that. But like, I like him as a person, and I feel like it's it's often hard to take. Uh, now we're feeling bad for the good looks people, but <laughs> like sometimes it is hard to be like, I got my job because I was good looking, and no one takes me seriously. And I think Jason Mraz has done a good job of that. And I I would say he combines the good looking and also the other stereotype of just like dude with muscles, which is, I think is where Dave Batista fits in is like, most people just want to cast him as guy with muscles and he's actually trying to take on roles and do movies. He's actually, and maybe part of the reason why I like Dave Batista is he talks so much shit about the rock lately. Um, Cause he says that he actually <laughs> does real movies, like, unlike the rock, um, i.e. red notice. Um, so I respect him for that. There. I will say the Rock and Jack Black were phenomenal in Jumanji, um, the 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 first remake. So I talked a lot of shit about Jum- about the Rock on this podcast. I don't have any issues with Jumanji. That's an appropriate casting for him. One of the the, the thing I like about the Rock, knowing he's a big muscle guy, <laughs> is that he can take himself not seriously and make fun of himself. Like that's. Can we talk like, about how? Sorry, I think that. that's his saving grace. Like, is that he's not just a wrestler that came over 
um, like who was the governor of Minnesota? Jake the Snake. Um, I forget his real last name, but Jake the Snake. Isn't it yeah. the body the Jesse Ventura? Or are you thinking of something else? Jake Roberts. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe I'm Jesse the Body Ventura. I might be mixing up. Again, I don't live in Minnesota, but the um, the point being is like, and I think it started with Get Shorty, where he kind of made fun of himself being like the big muscular dude. Um, I like that about him. That's that's my saving grace for The Rock, and that that he can be like, sometimes I'm not just like. Not that I have anything against what Arnold Schwarzenegger did in the 80s, because that was a very specific ask for him of what to do. But that's where he differentiates, in my opinion. So to add on to that, because we talked about Red Notice. Red Notice is about a cop chasing an art thief. Dwayne Rock is the cop, but he's not a cop. He's a behavioral analyst. And as soon as they (laughs) introduce The Rock as an analyst... As someone who is myself an analyst, I just cannot take him seriously. But the, the flip side of that is they instantly say, you don't look like an analyst. And he says, like, I get that a lot. Like, that's that's kind of funny, right? Like, <laughs> Are you like, saying you don't relate to The Rock, Carson? <laughs> He's like the most relatable guy. The, side note, like, who, who in life is like... <laughs> My life's a lot like The Rock. <laughs> I'm at gym and just like randomly work out the best ever. Um, no. And I, I rap and I have my own tequila. I'm not aware of that. No, sorry. So I'm not. But that being said, Ryan Reynolds has his own tequila. Do we dislike Ryan Reynolds too? I thought it was whiskey or gin. Oh, yeah. It's aviation gin, I think, actually. So as a new father, uh, hearing Ryan Reynolds say that he's going to step away from acting for a few years to focus on being a father, I give him a lot of respect. And again, another guy who came from like, I'm just a comic shill from Van, like from Van Wilder, I think. Oh man. Yeah. Van Wilder. Uh, uh, doing that to turn that into like an acting career is bananas. Like that's... I almost said they're relatable, which is not true at all. Um, but like, there's something about that they're they seem like real people, or or maybe maybe what it really is, is they are the people they present themselves to be, right? And so like when you see The Rock and when he talks about being who he is, and Ryan Reynolds, that's the same. Again, this was a Dune podcast. How did we get here? <laughs> I was just um, thinking that. <laughs> Uh, Carson, you can edit edit this out after post. Um, but uh, no, I think that there's something there. Like it's that he's the same guy all the time, and is consistent in what he gives us, right? And maybe that's what bothers me about Timothy Chalamet is that it doesn't feel like bringing it back. Well done. Earned all the stuff that they did. Even though he's not doing red notice, <laughs> not a bad actor. Just feels like he's been given more breaks than everyone else, that he doesn't necessarily deserve what everyone else has done. So, when do you think he's gonna? We'll see Timothy Chalamet in a red notice movie. 
not well, specific, no. obviously not specifically Red Notice because he's been only in like like good films. Quote unquote. I think he's too full of himself to do a Red Notice. <laughs> I, I think, think so? he would rather not work and think of himself as an elite actor than like do a Red Notice. Just uh, okay. again, hate based on nothing. <laughs> it's so it's a hate based on him. It's also like a hate of the art community as a whole. Like I just feel like he is their champion. Like I, when I say art community, I mean like lining up at a film festival, hearing people talk about like the dumbest shit, and how like people <laughs> in the art community judge like Star Wars, Disney, Marvel fans, and they're the same. Like they have the same like fanboy attitude for like certain directors or certain franchises, and it's just like. Oh, they're annoying, and Timothy is their their leader. You're gonna you're gonna keep running this podcast after this, right? Because like, <laughs> it's a, kind yeah. of the market you're going for. But no, I think a good example is Robert Pattinson, right? Like, I didn't take that guy seriously at all until that. You know, he's done a couple movies where I was like, "Oh, you're a real actor. You're not just like a sparkly vampire." And Kristen Stewart like, too. That whole franchise is just, uh, you know, creating successful people, except for Taylor Lautner. Not, yeah, I was going to say. Oh, yeah, he has not. He has not pulled up. Um, That was a Top Gun reference. Pull up, pull up. Um, Could also be a Star Wars A New Hope reference. Porkins. I I haven't seen it. What's it? Star Wars (laughs) New Hope? Um, Oh, it's it's what uh, Dune is based on. (laughs) Oh, got it. Got it. (laughs) I'll check it out sometime. Any last thoughts on Dune? <laughs> I think we've exhausted uh, the, it seems like we've exhausted the Dune conversation. I will just well, reinforce my belief that it is a great movie. Uh, I disagree wholeheartedly with Carson on everything. <laughs> Not everything, but you know. Isn't that how every podcast ends with you guys? <laughs> Um, a good number of them. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, I would just say, like, I'm excited to see what they can or will do with this because the cast is phenomenal. I thought it was a good movie. Um, and, yeah, I just, I just hope they don't waste it. Right. Yeah, I'll echo that. I'm really looking forward to the third movie, and I will sit through the second movie to get there. Um, So I think that's a good place to wrap up our conversation of Dune. Um, In a future episode, we'll have to get Dave Batista on uh, because he's a good friend of your and you can be team Dave's face uh, someone else. And so we'll, we'll let you know when we book Dave. I will tell you the other, the other Dave I did last time is going to be super jelly. Um, (laughs) Are we going to do the movies we're looking forward to or not? We can. Do you have any? Very quickly, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll need to think about this if you have one ready, Dave. Yeah, I just really quickly, I I am looking forward to the next steps in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm less artsy than Carson and Paulo, but like in particular Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and what they're going to do with what they've done in the TV series and if that relates. Uh, flying in the face of what you just said about me being uh, artsy. Um, I am looking forward to the Resident Evil movie that's coming out <laughs> in like four days, I think, um, which I, I feel I'm I, I'm going to be sadly disappointed by. But I think I'm I think I'm ready to be hurt again. 
and I will throw up uh, House of Gucci as my next one because purely Adam Driver. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested in that one too. Again, another great cast. I'm curious how that'll how that'll come out. But um... all right, well, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time.